The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. It is August 2nd. We're going to grade the Milwaukee Brewers trade deadline. We're also going to do Packer training camp hot takes and the Wisconsin Shotsky, where we talk about a few different topics in a few different categories. I did have one, but I was going to save it for our guy Mitch tomorrow. Uh, that's right. Tap the keg. We'll be back tomorrow, and that will be the shows for the week. We will take Friday off. I do always enjoy a Friday pod, but I decided to pop on yesterday to do the importance ranking. So there you have it. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder, social media, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook. We're getting some likes on the Facebook all of a sudden uh, with the way that Meta is rolling out their reels now, which is cool. Uh, so if you are new and you are joining us, welcome easiest thing you can do is subscribe to the pod we're on apple we're on spotify we're wherever else you get your podcast overcast google amazon i think we're on amazon i should probably check if we're on amazon but i will tell you that we are on a lot of platforms and if we're not on the platform of your choosing you always let me know and drop me a dm on one of the social platforms i have said all right let's kick it off with the milwaukee brewers and the trade deadline so the day of the deadline came and the Milwaukee Brewers made a couple small moves, right? They got Andrew Chafin from the Arizona Diamondbacks for Peter Strzelecki. They also traded away Luis Urias. They also traded away Alex Jackson, the AAA catcher uh, for the National Sounds, who's been in the big leagues at various stops. He was a highly touted prospect. It just didn't work out, right? And they traded him to the Rays for a pitcher. It's never a good idea to trade with the Rays, but I also would argue it's never a good idea to trade with the Brewers when it comes to pitchers because they they tend to know things or they tend to look at a guy and be like, yeah, we can fix that. We, we know what the problem is or we we identify like, yeah, the potential is there. Like look at Joel Piamas, for example. Like you, no one knew who Joel Piamas was and now he's a shutdown eighth inning guy. Uh, and for the Milwaukee Brewers at this trade deadline, I really do think that this was as successful of a deadline as the Brewers could have done. I realize that the Brewers did not go after a big fish, but let's be honest here. Where were the big fish? The big fish came from the New York Mets, two guys who had trade clauses, and Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, two guys with massive contracts, two guys who probably do not want to come to Milwaukee. Let's just let's just be honest. Let's keep it keep it 100. And the Brewers also have 0.0 need for him. Now you could argue, well, we of course you need him. And you could have, you know, tried to make that big splash. But in a seller's market where there were a ton of buyers, there were not a ton of major deals. There were not a ton of there was the Verlander and the Scherzer thing were blockbusters, the Cardinals selling off all their assets, whether it was Jordan Montgomery, Jordan Hicks, Jack Flaherty, weirdly all these pitchers with Jays, uh, Paul DeJong, like they sold off quite a bit and they got a bunch back and the Cardinals, I'm sure, are hoping that this is a one-year thing and that the Cardinals will be back up the following season. But not a ton happened. So when you look at it in that guise, when you look at it in that vein, I really look at this as an A- minus trade deadline for the Milwaukee Brewers because they did what I think Matt Arnold set out to do. Now, I don't know Matt Arnold. I haven't talked to Matt Arnold. I'm not you know, in the clubhouse. Uh, but what I believe Matt Arnold did and what they their plan was was improve the depth of this baseball team without sacrificing the future, 
legitimate Major League Baseball players that can contribute and have played in postseason environments before, right? I think that all matters. You're not dealing with the Jemai Joneses of the world, the Owen Millers of the world. And no disrespect to those guys. Those guys had moments for the Brewers. Jemai Jones and the 4th of July, was it 3rd of July? The RBI triple, Owen Millers, May. Like those moments matter, but those guys are not going to get it done in October. They needed to get legitimate baseball players and they just got that with Carlos Santana, Mark Canna, and Andrew Chafin. So when the Brewers did get those deals, they changed, I think, the makeup of their baseball team. And I think that they made the most moves in the National League Central. The Cincinnati Reds did not know what to do. The Cincinnati Reds decided to basically stay put. Uh, They did not trade anybody. They didn't trade Jonathan India. They did not try to acquire a starting pitcher. They did not go after Jack Flaherty. They did not go after Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, try to convince them to waive the no trade and to become a member of the Reds. The Reds did not make the splash. Part of that reason, and I do think if we're doing a Reds podcast today, you're basically trying to calm down this fan base that has suddenly awoken. And I know that the fans are going to go back to, well, the Reds are cheap. This is why the Reds didn't do it. I think why the Reds didn't do it is twofold. Number one, I think the Cincinnati Reds know that they're playing a little bit with house money. That next year was supposed to be the year. And that this is sort of a great year, but if it doesn't result in a playoff appearance or they get to the wild card game, but they get swept in three games, that's still going to be a huge accomplishment on the season. And David Bell might win manager of the year, right? So I, I, I think that this is a feather in their cap, regardless, unless it, the bottom really falls out. But, but even if the bottom falls out, I think Cincinnati was a year away. I think they didn't expect this. And the Chicago Cubs make a deal for Jaime Candelario. And that was a good deal. And we talked a little bit about that yesterday on yesterday's pod. But they didn't do anything else. They got a Jose Cost. They did a, a minor deal with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays with, uh, involving Adrian Sampson. Like, they did not go out and make another splash. They didn't get, like, Scott Barlow from the Kansas City Royals. Like, if they went and got Scott Barlow, because I have real concerns about their their bullpen, and they were able to get Barlow and Alizé, then, then we have to have a conversation about the Cubs. And I know their offense looked great tonight. They had 20 runs against the Reds, and, you know, they were on firing on all cylinders. And it looked like the Cubs we saw the last couple of weeks. But still, like... In the long run, is it going to be enough? Are the Cubs going to sustain this when the chips get down? They play Atlanta this weekend. I think that is a massive sort of barometer heat check series for them, just like it was when they, the Braves played the Brewers in Milwaukee. I, I think it's in that same vein because if the Cubs are you know, what some are worried about, I think they play well against that Braves team. So going back to the Brewers... The Brewers pushed themselves ahead here in the NL Central, and they got themselves in a position to win a lot of baseball games. And these guys are not going to come in and completely change the makeup of this baseball team. But let's be honest here. There is a ton of guys on the deadline that you look at and you say, yeah, that is a complete and utter difference maker. I don't even know if I put Verlander in that conversation because Verlander has been good at City Field, but he's been absolutely trash on the road. Now, is that because 
Justin Verlander is an old pitcher and he can, you know, be in the cryogenic chamber. He can, you know, fool around Kate Upton before before games or something like that. And that makes him better at home. And then on the road when he's in hotel beds and shit like that, and it's he's away from his kids and, and everything else, that it just goes to complete ass for him because he's an old man. Very possible, right? Uh, we saw Brett Favre in his later years couldn't play in the cold anymore. Aaron Rodgers, I thought, struggled in the cold as he got older as well. But so I do think there is some of that. So like, I don't know if there is one single trade acquisition that is going to completely change the makeup of a baseball team. They got guys that are overall good dudes, and I know like that should be like less on the scale. But I, I do think that matters, that you didn't fuck up your clubhouse. Like Tommy Pham might be a little bit better than Mark Canna, but Mark Canna is an overall good guy. Tommy Pham is an asshole. No need to bring assholes into a pretty awesome, vivacious clubhouse. Like why, why do that, right? Especially when their production is somewhat similar. And also Canna plays a little bit better defensively than... than Tommy Pham, and you know that that is a priority for the Milwaukee Brewers, and they did not sacrifice that with the acquisitions of Carlos Santana and Mark Canna. So I do think that the Milwaukee Brewers did everything they can, not only to be successful, not only to make a run in in October, because I, I do think it's potentially the Braves and Dodgers and everybody else, and I, I think that that is something that we can be honest with each other. We can have a total dialogue about that. They, they, there are just two teams that are superior, supremely better than everybody else. That, that's okay, right? That is, that's not a problem. And, and baseball is crazy enough where shit can change. Things can get wild. The Brewers are going to have a test against the Dodgers in the middle of the month, and we'll sort of see what this Brewer team is all about when they do play that Dodgers team. And that's going to be a great heat check for this new look approach. But at that point, you're going to have Brandon Woodruff back. You're going to have Wade Miley back. So it's not going to be a brave situation where Colin fucking Ray and Julio Tehran are pitching, you know, multiple games against Atlanta. I actually think Ray only pitched one, but it's the work with me here. They're not going to get the schlubs anymore. So I am very encouraged with what the Brewers not only have brought in, but what they have coming back. And I, I think it's going to, it, it should skyrocket them. They should start seeing the results. And it was really nice for them to get a win tonight, uh, which we can kind of get into here momentarily. Just a quick note on Strezlecki and Urias, who both go out. Uh, Strezlecki going to Arizona in the Chafin deal and Urias going out in the, uh, or just going out. The Brewers trade Urias away. It was Strezlecki, you know, I thought he could be the eighth inning guy for the Brewers at the start of the year. That was kind of one of my big predictions. Uh, It stinks that they gave up on him because I I do think there is some potential there, but they needed a left-handed guy and they were desperate. The Diamondbacks would have worn out their welcome with Adam Chafin. Andrew Chafin has had some struggles, but he has been dominant in the past. I have all the confidence in Chris Hook and Jim Henderson that they are going to be able to work with Andrew Chafin and figure out his best pitches and use 
Chafin and Hobie Milner as a one-two punch. I don't expect them to use Chafin as much early on. I know Craig Council likes to throw his guys into the fire, so I'm going to be there Thursday night. I've also been a bad luck charm for the Brewers. I'm two and four on the year. Uh, that they're going to maybe use Chafin and throw him out there, right? Um, and I, I do think that uh, you know, Chafin has a role here and Strzelecki did. And that's just how it goes sometimes in baseball. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Strzelecki is successful for the Dimebacks or he's successful somewhere else. Or honestly, if, you know, I don't know what his contract situation is, but if he could come back to Brewers, I'm not, I wouldn't hate that, right? Uh, as for Luis Urias, he didn't have a spot. Uh, they still believe in Bryce Terang, uh, and they still believe in Andrew Monasterio. And Andrew Monasterio, yeah, he's a little older, He, he but he has talent. He was part of, I believe, the Manny Machado trade, if I'm not mistaken. Like, So there, there's talent there with Andrew Monasterio, and he just keeps fucking producing. So you can't just be like, all right, yeah, we're going to give up on Monasterio for a guy in Urias who's 8 for 55 this season. And then Brian Anderson will be back soon enough. The only thing I might have done differently in that scenario is Bryce Wilson over Strzelecki. But I know Bryce Wilson has been good this year. I just, there have been these games, man, where all of a sudden the old Bryce Wilson leaks out. And all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, that's that's the Bryce Wilson I remember fading time in and time out in and out when you'd see him on the mound for Pittsburgh or Atlanta. So uh, the only guy I wish that maybe the Brewers would have got involved with was Jake Berger, uh, but it would have took a top five prospect to get him. The Marlins had to trade Jake Elder. It's a good system that they have. Jake Elder, I think it's Edder, is a very good pitcher uh, out of Vanderbilt. Uh, for comparison's sake, the Brewers would have probably had to give up, give up Robert Gasser to get Berger. Not a smart idea, right? Because there's a world where Gasser is starting next season. Uh, so you really do not want to sacrifice that. And I, I I know that there are some fans that are banging the drum like this is their last chance. This is their last chance. Can I let you guys in on a, on a little secret? I I don't think they're trading Corbin Burns this offseason. I don't think they're trading Brandon Woodruff. They might trade Willie Thomas. Uh, Willie Thomas maybe, right? And I, I think there's a larger Willie Thomas discussion to be had. I think I said that on yesterday's pod too, but it's true. I'll find a time for it. I promise. I could see the Brewers going all in next year, knowing it's your last window, knowing it's your last chance. And I understand that this is not exactly the best way to, to do your assets, right? It's much better for the Brewers to get rid of these guys early and get something for them. But I still think given the fact that this year was a seller's market and if the brewer and I think it will continue to be a seller's market and if let's say the brewers have a season like St. Louis Cardinals they're going to get holes for Burns and Woodruff they will they absolutely will they might even get calls on Devin Williams I don't think you'd trade Devin Williams this this soon but I guarantee you you would and you'd reset the deck with all of the young guys you have but there is a world where you can combine the young guys, the Chirios, the Tyler Blacks, the Mizorowskis, the Robert Gassers. Uh, I said Trio already. With your Corbin Burns, your Woodruff, your Williams, uh, your Christian Elch, and meld them together to this awesome team. Now, I also will add, that's probably contingent on Craig Council being back. 
If Craig Council comes back, I think that actually happens. If Craig Council does not come back, I think that they they just say, okay, we'll trade Burns and Woodruff, kind of start over, a little bit of a soft rebuild, um, because I, I do think you'll bring fans in with Churio. And I, I don't think you'll have to worry about it. And, and you will be able to create this just kick-ass farm system. It's already very good. It's already really fucking good right now. But it could get even better if they were to move in that direction. And that reminds me, my guy Eric owes me $20. Uh, so I, I have to uh, cash in because we bet a while ago, I forgot about it, that uh, it, it Woodruff, Burns, or Adamas would get traded at the deadline. I said, no fucking way. I bet him 20 bucks uh, and that is a winner. You can cash that. Moving to the game tonight, just really quick uh, before we go to the training camp hot takes. Really solid win for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they win 6-4. Uh, Freddie Peralta getting the win. Oh, Josiah Gray with the loss. Williams getting the save for the crew. Uh, the Brewers were down early in this game. It was 3-1 to one after the second inning. I was working out at night, which I don't typically do. But it's always nice when it's a 6 o'clock game because that's usually kind of when I get done with work and everything else. So I'll set up the computer while I'm on like the Peloton and watch the game. And I was just motherfucking my TV after that three-run inning. And thankfully, Sal gets keep, kept it at three with an absolute hose from right field. But the big thing of that was just the comeback of the Brewers, right? Where you're down three to one, you have, you've lost four straight games, and then you erupt in the fourth inning. And you really do it with your young guys. Bryce Trang with a two-run single, Joey Weimer with a, a two-run single of his own. Joey Weimer's at-bat was a 10-pitch at-bat. It was an excellent at-bat. One of the best at-bats that I have seen from Joey Weimer all fucking season. So if that Joey Weimer can just appear a few times here and there, I'm all about it. And maybe it's Weimer feeling the, the heat with Canna up here now. Like, that's fine. That that breeds great competition. I, I'm into that. I am a big fan of that. I just, with Freddie Peralta, uh, I just wish he could not have the one big inning. Because if you take away that big inning from Fred, he pitched really well tonight, right? Uh, He gave up six hits, gave up those three runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, did not allow a homer. Uh, So it's like, it's a solid performance for Freddie Peralta as long as that that second inning is wiped away. But that has been Peralta's issue all fucking year and has to fix it and i i look at it like that inning too was like there were two outs you could have got out of that inning there it was definitely there for the brewers to just get right out of it you know smith reaches on a bullshit single ruiz and garcia you know get out so you have two outs then peralta wild pitch he gives a walk smith then steals third uh, some guy named Alou hits a single to drive in the one. He steals second as a fucking catcher, which is bad. And then he walks another guy and Abram singles. So he walked what, two guys in that inning. And he did he have two walks? Yeah, those were his two walks. I, I don't know if it's Chris Hook. I don't know if it's just him. I don't know if it's a sports psychologist. Like somebody has to just work with Freddie and just be like, calm down. It's okay. 
Like he's acting like I did when I was 23 and someone bought eight lemon drop shots on a credit card of mine and I freaked out because no one told me. Uh, totally other story for another time. Just young, dumb, and drunk. That's, that's, all, that's all you need to know about that story. But Freddie just needs to relax. Just chill out, my guy. Like that's, that's all you need. So, uh, but very happy with the win. Uh, they do need to win today though. I know most of you will listen when, maybe you're listening while the game's going on. Wade Miley on the mound. I thought Miley was pitching tonight, by the way. Uh, I had said, oh yeah, they're going to have some trouble there. Uh, Miley, a lefty against a Nationals team that hits lefties pretty well, facing off against Mackenzie Gore. Uh, Mackenzie, Mackenzie Gore uh, has been had an interesting year. Uh, some people like to call themselves the Gore Whores. Uh, well, our guys Divine Gospel did uh, back in the day when he was a Padre and he before he was in the Juan Soto trade. Gore's been okay. Uh, he's kind of just 4.42 ERA, 4.08 in his last uh, 30 day starts, but his June overall, and I know we're turning the page to August, 6.64. Uh, in the month of June. So there's been some good starts uh, and there have been some bad ones. So he's had some opportunities to blow up. Let's hope uh, that continues. Uh, fly ball guy. So maybe maybe Brewers can get a, get a few in the air and hit some dingers. Uh, it'll be nice to nice to have a little baseball uh, going during during the workday. Although I think your boy has some meetings. So I might, I might be late to uh, the bird app. Uh, tapping the keg on Twitter if you do not already follow. All right. Let's move to the Green Bay Packers. Training camp hot takes is something we did on Friday's show. Kind of bringing it back. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do it every solo pod, uh, but it's something that I kind of like because we can just talk about a few different things that are going on in the world of Packers training camp. Things to get excited about, things to get worried about, and sort of just see what what the news of the day is. So you guys stay up to, up to date on training camp because I, I do think sometimes it's hard to follow. Um, there's so many beat reporters. I know they're saying the same things. I could understand if you want to mute all those guys. And so I, I kind of am providing that value for you. I think the biggest thing today, the biggest headline for me is that Zach Tom was in at center. Zach Tom was taking first team reps at center with Josh Nyman pushed out to right tackle. Now, for all intents and purposes, we thought that Zach Tom was going to be the right tackle for the Green Bay Packers this season. Zach Tom had added 15 to 20 pounds. Zach Tom, by all accounts, was looking pretty good to start the training camp season. It seemed like the Packers, you know, kind of had done what they've done for as long as it's, it, you know, Gutekus has been there, Ted Thompson, and really developing offensive tackles. Tom has played multiple positions. He kicks into center today. And I, I didn't really see if he, he did well in that role. But it's it's very interesting because given how Josh Nyman is, especially on the right side, and he's been really good, you do wonder, is this your best line combination? Does this give you the best chance to succeed? Now, I know Josh Myers was a high pick. I know that Josh Myers did a little bit on right guard today, but I have said that the clock was ticking on Josh Myers. I've not been a Josh Myers fan. I do think some of the vitriol I have towards Josh Myers is the fact that Creed Humphrey was the pick after him, which he is a center, by the way, too. And I I will never probably get over that one. Um, as a guy who was a former lineman, 
I pay attention to it a little bit more. I wouldn't say that Creed Humphrey was on my big board. I'm not Murph or anything, but it's still infuriating nonetheless. And it it's one of, if not the biggest Brian Gutekunst draft mistake thus far. And, and, and all these guys make them, I, I get it, but it's one that just really, really burns given the fact Green Bay is so good with tackles and guards and centers. Like it just seems like a mistake that they shouldn't have made. So to have Tom, to go back to Tom in the middle, I think having Tom in the middle is probably your best offensive line because Nyman's a great right tackle. Uh, Bakhtiari, solid at left tackle. Elton Jenkins at left guard. And then Runyon at right guard. And I would not put Myers at right guard. I would give it to Runyon. I know that Runyon has sometimes fallen out of flavor with the Green Bay Packer coaching staff for reasons I'm not really sure about. I've never really looked at John Runyon and been like, there's bad John Runyon games. I'm sure we could find him. I mean, we all have bad games, right? But I, I just don't, they, they don't pop off the screen. Like when Royce Newman was at right guard or like Jake Hansen was at right guard, like th- those don't exist uh, for, for Runyon in my opinion. Uh, but maybe... I'm seeing it with, you know, green colored glasses. And you guys could check me on that. If you're like, yeah, do you remember when he played against so-and-so? And I'll pull up the tape and we'll, we'll watch. We'll take a look. Um, I, don't, I don't do the all 22, but I, I will find a way to watch. I promise you. Uh, so anyways, I, I, I think that that is your combination, but I don't know if that's how Green Bay will start the season. I don't know if Josh Myers will get preferential treatment. I know there has been some botched snap stuff. So I wonder if that's part of it too. Um, another part of it, and that gets kind of into our next training camp hot take, is Devontae Wyatt was kicking Josh Myers' ass. So it could have been a message just sent to Matt to Josh Myers from Matt LaFleur or Adam Senovich, kind of a heat check, like, hey, you're not fucking safe here. Like, you got to play ball. And if you're not playing ball, we'll replace your ass. And coaches do that. Coaches do that in high school. Coaches do that in college. Coaches do that in the pros. And it could have just been a heat check to Josh Myers because Devontae Wyatt was getting in that ass today. And Devontae Wyatt has popped in terms of the one-on-one stuff, in terms of team drills. The chance for Devontae Wyatt to have a breakout season is very possible. And the dream of Kenny Clark actually getting help seems to be on the precipice. There seems to be a real opportunity that Devontae Wyatt could be sort of that guy for Kenny Clark. And then you add TJ Slayton, who I think I'm high on TJ Slayton. I like the rookies they have. And maybe the Packers have a defensive line. And I know that uh, I think it was Wyatt who was like, oh, it's going to be different this year. And we're all like, yeah, we're not taking the cheese, man. We're not fucking doing it. Your boy's leading, your boy's getting closer to that cheese. Uh, your, boy, your boy's getting closer because this, it's just a, there's a rapid improvement. Wyatt went and worked his ass off this offseason and he had some immaturity issues. Quay Walker did too. Matt Scheidman wrote a good piece on it. I didn't check it out. I just saw the headline that basically Quay's been working with behavioral specialists trying to, you know, better his mental health, try to better his emotions, control. And I know mental health, you usually think of like, oh, depression, sadness. But I, I think when you have behavioral issues, I classify that as, you know, you're working on mental health, getting your mental health in gear. And so Quay Walker's taking advantage of that, which is great. And Devontae Wyatt, you know, you know, was in the gym working and getting stronger, getting better. And it's clearly paying off. And this 
this could be something. This and again, I'm I am very hesitant to just throw those chips in and be like, yes, we have a good defense. I need to see it. And as I said yesterday, they're going to get tested right away in the first couple of weeks of the season with at with Atlanta and Chicago, and we'll know. And if after that, and even really, you know, week three with Alvin Kamara, like we'll know. Like if that if, if they are doing shit. Like, all out, just overreaction city, baby. And we'll go nuts. And we'll have a lot of fun with it. But yeah, I'm stoked that Wyatt started out strong. Uh, hopefully it continues and hopefully it stays healthy. Last thing that I had on this was the offense had a very bad day. It was not the day that we saw on Saturday. And that's that's life. That's football. That's going to happen. Uh, Jordan Love, you know, kind of talks about how he's sick of doing up-downs, uh, which apparently is a thing. If they lose in the two-minute drill, I didn't know that pro teams did up-downs. Uh, I hated up-downs. Uh, I also was very out of shape, even though I played football. Like, so that, that was that was part of it. Um, up-downs are basically, you know, burpees with pads, uh, which actually I don't know if that's true. Uh, so don't check uh, fact-check me here, CrossFit nerds. But uh, <laughs> I hated up-downs. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. And I can see why Jordan loves frustrating. And I hope he comes out with a little bit of piss and vinegar today uh, and, you know, shows it. And they finally, you know, get it done in the two minute. And I do think that, you know, for Jordan Love to be going up against Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas and Keyshawn Nixon, who isn't at the same level as those guys. But I think that that is a big thing. And I think, you know, dealing with, you know, Kenny Clark and dealing with Luke Van Ness, who, yeah, I know is just a rookie, but he can really rush the passer. And Wyatt, what we just talked about. And Devondre Campbell and, and Quay Walker, like these are a lot of talented guys. And we've talked about that before with this defense. And yeah, it hasn't paid off for the Packers just yet. But I, I do think that that helps Jordan Love. And that will help this Packers offense. And that will help this Packers offense grow. Now, hopefully it doesn't, you know, make the defense, you know, too confident in themselves. You know, Jair already called their cornerback Strap City, which I, I could go in a hundred different directions with. I In one part of my brain, I, I fucking love it. I love the cockiness. I love the swagger, you know, that Jair brings. But I also, in the other part, is like, well, dude, like, I know what we did with Justin Jefferson, and that was cool. And we had a really good stretch down, down the, you know, final few games of the season. But there were some bad moments last year, too. So can we maybe just, like, three or four games before we're, we're given nicknames, potentially? Uh, I, I also will say, too, I cannot wait for Raiders, Packers, Devontae Adams, Jair Alexander. That's, that's up there. I should probably do that. That's a, a good topic to keep in mind is do, like, matchups that I'm looking forward to, you know, just individually throughout the, uh, throughout the season, maybe early on. Uh, we could do, like, a multiple, multiple thing. You got the, I got the wheels turning. I got the wheels turning a little bit. See, this is how it's how episodes uh, get invented. So maybe uh, maybe stay tuned for that later later in the month of August. We'll see what happens uh, as the Packers get closer to family night this weekend. Uh, it always seems to have a cataclysmic weather event uh, for family night. So let's check the Green Bay weather on Saturday. Uh, I have I don't know if I've ever gone to family night. I I. Used to kind of shit on family night back in the day when I was younger. Uh, they were probably tapping the kegs with Mitch and I, shitting on family night. Uh, but as I've gotten older, 
understanding from afar how how expensive kids are. I I totally understand family night now, and I understand the importance of it. I understand that there are a lot of families that a don't have a way to get tickets, b they can't afford tickets, c they just want to introduce their kids to football, and it's a low barrier where they can watch. They can also kind of fuck around, and it's not like it's not like this big thing, right? So I, I get family nights so much more than I did when I was younger. So I, I would recommend if there are any youngsters who are doing stuff like this, listening, don't be a shithead about uh, about family night. It's it's important to the community. It's important to and and there's a lot of people in Green Bay who make it like a drinking event who are older. Like I knew a girl who I worked with at the radio station who was like so hyped about family night because her and her friends would just get hammered for it. And if that's what you're doing too, like, hey, yeah, it's a, it's the first night out for Lambo, and everybody just lives it up. All right, I have the Green Bay weather pulled up. We are looking at a beautiful 79 uh, in Green Bay, 63 for a low, and then 78 and rainy the next day. So hopefully that rain stays away uh, for family night. But yeah, I uh, hope if you are going that you have fun uh, on Saturday, and yeah, we'll uh, I'm sure we'll have some takes. Uh, from that on Monday's show. All right, let's move to the Wisconsin Shotsky. Uh, this is something I've I've done periodically. Uh, basically, a few topics that are are swirling that I'm thinking about that I want to talk about um, that I'm interested in. Uh, number one, I believe we discussed this before, but we'll bring it back. The UConn to the Big Twelve status check. Uh, I think we're looking all right. It looks like Arizona is, is going to be the team that goes to the Big 12. Uh, they're having discussions at the moment. Uh, Brett Yormark, uh, the guy who leads the Big 12, is a huge basketball guy. He did, did an event at Rucker Park. I think there is a real interest to make the Big 12 basketball scene the SEC of college hoops and you know take, overtake the ACC, even though Yormark's you know, mission has sort of been to raid the Pac-12. Uh, I just find a lot of this realignment stuff a little bit, you know, brain-breaking, if you will. There's a lot of stuff swirling right now. Uh, Florida State, to get out of uh, the deals and Clemson, has to be on August 15th. Are they going to the Big Ten? Are they going to the SEC? I think the SEC, would that already make the SEC 16 teams, or are they 14 right now? So what, what happens there, right? Um, and do we just see this all-out takeover? And do, if that happens, is college football then going to say we're splitting off and we're doing our own thing and college football its own thing and everything else is separate, including basketball? I, I don't know if basketball comes with because I, I just, first of all, there's over 300 teams. Second of all, it, it, it's a lot of travel, the games aren't just once a week. It, it just, it seems like basketball would make more sense to kind of reset the deck a little bit. Now, could that still mean UConn leaves? Yeah, maybe. But I, I just wonder, you know, where where are we going right now uh, in terms of the realignment? And every, according to like anybody, it's not done. And it's it's going to gonna be a topic that we talk about here in the month of August. Probably should have made the probably should have made the August importance rankings. Pretty nice. If we were doing national, for sure. It would 100% have 
have found its way into the importance rankings. Uh, number two on the Shotsky. Fox is going to go with the number one team for Jordan Love versus Justin Fields. Uh, we got Kevin Burkhart. We have Greg Olson. They were not very successful for us last season. I don't know if you guys do this. I'm a sickle like this where I know like broadcast teams that do well for the Packers and broadcast teams that don't do well for the Packers. And I'm pretty sure that we did not win one game with uh, Burkhart and Olsen calling games. And I enjoy them. I, I really do. I, I hope that they are not going to do too much on Rodgers. I think they will do a lot. I, I forgot. So looking at this, there were actually a few Burkhart and Olsen games that we won this year. So I, I am misremembering. But I think they lost that little Lions game. I think that was a Burkhart and Olsen game. I think, so let's see here. And I think they did the Jets. See, it's hard when it's a 1, 1 p.m. game. But okay, so they did the Vikings. That was a loss. They did the Buccaneers. We won that. Uh, 425 against the Patriots was Nansen Romo. I don't think they did the Giants, so I won't give them credit there. Did the Jets, That's that was another loss. This is not exciting radio. Because I, I think you can see the broadcasting crew, can't you? Somewhere in here. Uh, no. Anyways, I don't need to do this. Uh, but basically, they we have won a couple games. I forgot about the Cowboys-Packers game that they called. I was at that game, so of course I completely blocked that out that Burkhardt and Olsen called that called that one because I didn't watch it. Uh, I was at the stadium watching it with my own two eyes. So it will be fun to have the big crew. Um, it would, it's not surprising, right? Uh, that is the premier game for Fox. Um, they are going to try to get people to watch that over the Eagles and Patriots where Tom Brady is getting his number retired. I am very curious to see what will rate better? Um, this is where I get my media nerd hat on uh, because like there is the Packer Bear rivalry. There is the sort of fascination with Jordan Love, the fascination with Justin Fields because Justin Fields is, I believe there are more MVP bets on Justin Fields than any other quarterback in the NFL or any other player in the NFL. I think the hype around Justin Fields is enormous right now. So I, I think there's that part. I think, you know, Packers and Bears are, would you put Packers and Bears more public than Eagles and Patriots just overall? Like, definitely Packers. I don't know if the Bears, Patriots, because of all the Brady stuff. I, I think the Patriots are more public than the Bears, but it's close, as well as the Eagles. I think the Eagles too. But it, it, those are four very public football teams. Also, Fox only has one more game. So CBS rolls out three. So there will be less coverage there because you have Miami against the Chargers, which why is Chargers-Dolphins a second-tier game at 325? How is that not like the second uh, Monday night game? Like how do we not get Dolphins-Chargers to wrap up the week? Tua versus Herbert. That was a primetime game last year. How is that getting schlebbed to, you know, the second slot on in the 325 slot? So you have that. You also have Vegas and the Broncos, which won't have a ton of coverage, just like the Seahawks and the Rams won't, which is the other Fox game. 
So I I do think the Packers and Bears might outrate them, uh, but it'll be close. And it was this fun it's fun media media topic uh, for those who are who are into it. Uh, the last sports related thing, and then I have like a music thing to talk about, is the Iowa betting scandal. I I don't I'm not following a ton on this, but a kid on the baseball team, it's both Iowa and Iowa State. The kid on the baseball team made 559 bets. Uh, and or five hundred fifty nine dollars, or it was five hundred fifty nine bets that equated to basically four dollars and thirty cents overall. Uh, what's the math on that? We're gonna we're doing that live because it was it was not much. It was like two over two thousand dollars. So he made like five hundred bets at like a four dollar clip, and apparently his mom was making the bets for him. I think it's illegal to gamble in Iowa under twenty one. Uh, there was also a quarterback that bet for the Iowa State Cyclones that bet on his team. All this stuff, man, it's there's going to be a massive scandal at some point. At some point, we are going to have a Black Sox level scandal. And it's going to be fucking absurd. It is going to be just wall to wall. It's going to make CNN. It'll make Fox News. It'll be, it'll, you'll be, you'll have congressional people involved. You'll see sports gambling get scaled way back. You have to rein this in if you want to keep this cash cow going. And I, and I don't exactly know how, right? Everybody's inundated with DraftKings ads, FanDuel ads, um, Barstool, you know, does a does a bunch. I, I don't know what they do, you know, linear TV or anything like that. But it's really fucking popular. And it's not slowing down at any speed. I do think that there is a little bit of burnout. I'll be curious to see if that happens this year, right? This is, I think, really year three where we've seen now established states. They have it. It's, you know, mobile, the whole thing. People know probably at this point, like same game parlays are complete ripoffs. I hope they do. Uh, but it's it's definitely interesting to monitor. And I'm sure I, I could actually check in on that and figure out, you know, is it slowing down or is it not? Uh, because I, I, I am interested in if that's happening. All right, last thing on the shot ski. So I have like this weird thing that I don't know if I've told anybody. Um, uh, maybe I've mentioned it on the pod. Maybe I haven't. So I have this playlist. Uh, it's called Beast Mode Running Edition, and I made it. Gosh, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's listed when I created it, but it has over 800 songs on it. A little over 800. It's like 801, 802, something like that. Uh, and it has over a hundred saves. I hit the hundred mark a couple days ago. And I just think this is so fucking cool. I've never, I don't think I've ever promoted it. I've shared it with a couple people. Um, It is all over the place. Uh, I would say it's probably hip hop first, but there's hip hop, there's pop music, there's EDM mixes, there's like metal. Uh, It is truly all over the place. There's maybe even like some indie that has like high BPM to it. And I created it because I need. I feel like there is a difference between stuff you run to and stuff you lift to. I don't think you would have, I do have a lifting one that's not as popular. Uh, it's the weights edition of Beast Mode. And that one has one save. 
which just popped up recently. I was like, oh, that maybe someone really enjoyed it. And it's cool, right? Uh, I'm very cautious. I do not spray and pray with this pot, with this uh, running playlist. It's just one of those things that it's a, it is kind of a little bit of a sacred cow for me. Now, I will say that it's not for everybody. Uh, my future brother-in-law uh, was like, yeah, this is not my type of music at all. And ditch my playlist, uh, which, okay, that's fine. Uh, I've also had people tell me uh, that I have not the best taste in music. Uh, I was at my, my wedding. I created the party bus playlist, right? For the party bus, and only for people to complain about it. Be like, wow, that, that bus's music really stunk. And I was like, no, that was Charlie. Uh, so, you know, I, and that to me is like, I hear some music and I'm like, yeah, this is fun to fucking jam to. But I, I think when what I missed what I missed the boat on the party bus side is like you need music that everybody likes. You can't it can't have it, it has to have a certain feel to it, the sing along part of it. It can't just be too in the weeds. You gotta just play the hits. And I, I fucked up there. You know, took Crown Butler and Mac Okafor. They're not bad players. Uh, but yeah, I think it's super cool. Uh, you can probably find it pretty easily on Spotify. I'll share it out. On Instagram, maybe on Twitter too. Uh, uh, now X, I really should call it X because uh, it's X. Uh, Zed, you're not retweeting anymore. You're just reposting, uh, which was interesting. I saw that today. So yeah, uh, it is a lot of fun. Uh, I think that's cool. And uh, if you guys do download it, let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram uh, with that one. And if you have any fun facts, we'll, we'll love to share it. All right, this wraps up the week for the solo pod, as mentioned. Uh, so Mitch and I tomorrow, then I'm off Friday, and then on Monday, got a little, got a little something to, a little something to announce. A uh, little, some, little change. Very, it's little, so it's not huge. Don't get excited. Don't get nervous. Uh, just something that I, I finally figured out, and I'm really excited to talk about. So look forward to that, and uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, We'll get into it. Take care and have a good one. All right, see you. Bye.